You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. The following is a close to the heart presentation in association with the PFC Podcast Network and has been rated L for mature audiences only. Some language and dialogue may not be suitable for members of a family under 18 years of age. Hi, I'm Jason Klaus, and this is not your typical wrestling podcast. Instead, I'm going to be joined by a revolving panel of fans and experts as we look back on the biggest matches, moments, and events in the history of professional wrestling. So grab your foam fingers, make up your signs, don't forget your fanny packs, Join us as we take a trip back to yesteryear. Join us as we take a trip in the Turnbuckle Time Machine on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Turnbuckle Time Machine here on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm. I'm Jason Klaus. I appreciate you tuning in this week, and this is going to be another dual presentation recording session, both audio and video. Um, I have a very uh, esteemed and uh, knowledgeable and, above all else, entertaining panel of co-hosts this week as we dive into not really a list of sorts, but, you know, it's going to be a personal reflections, personal influences on um, matches, the top three or four matches of the crown jewel of sports entertainment. Talking, of course, about WrestleMania. Uh, joining me this week on this particular show uh, is you've heard them all before if you've listened to this program for any length of time all of them have had very uh unique and different perspectives on the business regardless of what topic we're talking about here uh but uh, first up mwo hall of famer uh tim williams is with me hello tim hello <clears throat> it's good to be back it's good to see you sir it's been a minute thank you it has been a little bit Things yes. okay in, in your neck of the woods? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, excited to talk a little wrestling. It's been a little while mm-hmm. since I've had anybody to do that with. So, looking forward to it. I am as well, sir. Uh, also joining us, uh, the <laughs> Ray Jackson. Hello, Ray. <laughs> how's it going, guys? Good, man. How's How's things with you? Uh, pretty good, uh, except this diet I'm on right now. It's killing me. I had a little injury. I'm going to return to the ring uh, two weeks from yesterday at the time of this recording, so pretty pipe, uh, pretty pumped. Okay. How long had, had you been out for? Three months. Concussion. Oh. It was uh, oh, a little goodness. accident in the ring. Oh, well, it's yeah, not it ballet, in, uh, man. 
Yeah, I was taking a spot with a neck breaker, like a jump breaker. My timing was a bit off, and I kind of stutter stepped. And when I bumped, a uh, good friend of ours, Jeremiah J. Hughes, fell completely on my face. So oh, that was fun. <laughs> no, that does not sound fun at all, actually. But, oh, uh, no. We're, I'm glad, you know, glad that things are, are improving and uh, certainly wish you the best of luck in your return to the ring here in a, in a couple of weeks. So it'll be sooner than that before this show drops, you know, after this show drops. But be that as it may. Uh, rounding out our panel this week is Tim Sheridan. And Tim, great to see you, man. We, um, You and I had an opportunity uh, before going live on the show here. We embarked on um, a very good conversation that I feel like is going to tie in uh, with today's topic. Before we get to that, though, how are you, my friend? I, I've been good. You know, life's good. Chiefs won the Super Bowl, so I'm excited. Weather's starting to turn, so I'm getting that itch to go golfing. So that's sure. all I've been thinking about. So other than that, life, life's been good. You know, everything's everything's been great. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, I uh, I had a sense of the excitement in the Sheridan household over the Chiefs' uh, uh, victory at the Super Bowl. Your wife, Amy, on the Real Podcast, spent a uh, good portion of her airtime <laughs> on the last Talking episode. About yeah, she was all excited about it. So, very cool. Uh, it's great to have you guys here this week. Um, we are going to talk about our favorite matches from WrestleMania because this is of course <laughs> WrestleMania season. And if you are a wrestling fan, this really is the time of year. Most people look forward to when I say most people, I would say, well, nine and a half out of 10 because everything gets amped up, gets amplified, all the bells and whistles, all the pomp and circumstance, like they really go into making WrestleMania feel larger than life the you know the biggest stage in the world and it is um but as as sheridan and i were talking about before we came on the air and something that i had reiterated last night during uh the elimination chamber pay-per-view i was actually over at sean Krugel's house and watched it with him and we were we were talking about you know, obviously what we were seeing on the screen, but how that relates to just the business now versus what it was. And it ties perfectly into what we're talking about here, because I'm sure we're going to have a, a variety of matches that we're going to talk about that resonate with you. But I may have thought was the drizzling shits, you know, it it's all about perspective. It's all about your individual wants and what you guys like. But I feel like, and this is where my conversation with Sheridan comes into play is for the last few years, WrestleMania has not had that larger than life feel to it, at least for us, because there wasn't really anything, um, by and large that people were, wholeheartedly invested in organically invested in and and we took that conversation from you know the sights the scenes and the sounds of the main event of the elimination chamber pay-per-view last night with roman reigns and Sami Zayn, and just how that has erupted to what this is now that's you know an important part of a very well-told story long term 
the best story they've done in a long time, in my opinion. So Sheridan, um, expand for me, you know, how, how important it is for fans to feel like they have something to be wholeheartedly invested in and adds to the pomp and circumstance of the overall WrestleMania experience. Well, it's that emotional connection. They haven't done that in a while. You know, you when you're building up to an event like that, you need some type of build-up to have that emotional connection, and they have that right now, you know, with the whole Sami Zayn um, storyline going on. And I haven't seen that since really the Daniel Bryan storyline. Um, and without that, I think WrestleMania has really been lacking. You know, there's nothing that makes me want to – I mean, of course I'm going to watch it because I'm a fan, but – there's nothing that makes me want to sit there and be glued to my TV while watching it because I'm so emotionally connected to this match. You know, um, the buildup to it just hasn't been there. It's just been very generic. Um, and, and I feel that, again, it's it's going that way this year. Um, I hope they do something to fix that. For but, sure. And, you know, like we had talked about, you know, the – this groundswell for Sami Zayn because of the, you know, how well the bloodline storyline has been executed up to this point. You know, you had lightning in a bottle at that pay-per-view. It was in Montreal. It was in his hometown. If you were going to pull the trigger on him, that was the night to do it. Right. So uh, now what's cool about this panel here is that our fandoms have very different and distinct starting points. Um, Tim Williams and I have been paying a lot more. Our fandom goes back a lot longer than Sheridan's and Ray's. So we're getting all kinds of different aspects to this. Tim Williams, when was the last time you were emotionally invested in a match or a storyline or something that uh, took place at a WrestleMania. Oh man, <clears throat> I don't even think I could. I don't even think I could tell you. Um, I don't know. I mean, I went to which WrestleMania was that? Ford Field was that? Uh, Twenty-three. Twenty-three. I mean, Shawn I was Michaels there live. And, uh, John but, Cena. Right, but I, I. I wouldn't say I was really all that invested in any of those matches, to tell you the truth. Um, we what that was Undertaker and Batista, right? Yes, which should have been the main event, in my opinion, but be that as it may. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. I don't know. That's a tough question. I mean, <laughs> uh, there, there were you we invested? Have- were you invested in Hogan and Andre? Oh, of course I was there, and right. and and of course I was. Uh, probably, well, the one that t- comes into my head right now, but I'm sure there had been something after it. But the one that pops into my head is Rock and Hogan. Um, but I'm sure there, I'm sure there was stuff after that. I mean, I was a big Christian fan. Did he? Did he ever? I I don't know. It's did he ever wrestle uh, Orton at WrestleMania, or was that? No, those were at. Other pay-per-views, oh. like Night of Champions and things okay. of that nature. Okay, so I couldn't tell you. I, I would just have to say Rock and Hogan, I guess. 
Which is a good one because that, as I was thinking about it, you know, last night and, and today preparing for the show, you know, what was that last big match? What was the last WrestleMania that had that WrestleMania feel? And like Sean and I were, were talking about it last night and, you know, a lot of what makes WrestleMania what it is, is the venue, these huge 60, 70, 80,000 seat stadiums, domes and things of this nature. It's, you know, a very larger than life presentation. Well, now you're doing Royal Rumbles at the Alamo Dome and, and you're packing you know, 50,000 people in there, you're, you're bringing SummerSlam to an 80,000 seat football stadium in Detroit, Michigan. You're doing Saudi Arabia shows that are bringing in 70,000 people. So none of them are, you know, the more big stadium shows you do, it kind of takes away, takes that layer away from WrestleMania. And I just feel like if you're going to focus anything, it should be your Super Bowl event of of the entire year. That's what, you know, I don't give a shit who you are. If you get into this business as a worker, it is because in some way or another, you have a dream. You want to wrestle on WrestleMania. And I, I don't care. That's what just about everybody's ultimate end game is, right? So, uh, Ray, you are... You know, the, you're the baby of the group here in, in a lot of aspects. Um, your fandom goes back to this point of time. So you may not, I mean, obviously you were not aware of the first several WrestleManias and the buildup leading up to it and, and, and all of this stuff. Um, when I say emotionally invested in a match, storyline, something along these lines for WrestleMania, what is the one that comes to your mind? Like as of like recently? Sure. I, I yeah. think uh, Daniel Bryan winning the title at WrestleMania 30 was like really big for me, though that was, you know, eight years ago at this point, which is absolutely crazy to think about. That's actually what I credit to me getting into the business. Uh, I felt so much watching that and then i think kind of the cliche answer would be like kofi mania was pretty amazing seeing him and his kids celebrating together you know though it was kind of predictable he would win but i think recently the best thing is stone cold returning against kevin owens i watched that with uh the mighty bojack and we were both damn near in tears grown men watching that match and the fun part was you didn't even know that stone cold was going to wrestle it was billed as an interview maybe they're going to fight they're going to brawl and next thing you know they go 17 minutes and stone cold's taking vertical suplexes on the concrete so that's probably the one that really sticks out to me as in like recent that's a good one and that's something that you know that tim sheridan and i were you know had touched on um you know especially the daniel bryan thing we we were talking about that visual of them being in the superdome after he wins the title uh daniel bryan i'm talking about and you've got all those people doing the the yes thing and it's quite the visual one of those things that make wrestlemania what it is um and i can see where the the pop in the circumstance with um WrestleMania 30 being like a milestone in installment, but I'm going to tell you something and I know I'm going to get shit for this. Um, I didn't give a fuck about the Daniel Bryan movement. 
you know. And the fact that that main event was what it was, really, between that and The Undertaker losing the streak, WrestleMania 30 is the complete shits for me. Um, (laughs) Just... You know what? We're we're even because I thought I was banned from the show for saying I didn't think Paul Orndorff should have been the heavyweight champion, so we're even there. Anyways. You can't get mad at somebody's opinion, you know? And and it's because, and, and I'm realizing, like, our points of view are going to be different because our perspectives are different. We grew up in different eras of, of the business. Um, when I think of a really larger than life WrestleMania feel like one that I just could not wait for was uh, WrestleMania 17 in 2001 at the Astrodome in Houston. As soon as they went live in in that dome and you saw how everything was laid out, my God in heaven, dude, like that was the last time I was like, damn, this is WrestleMania. And I felt like I was going to feel that way when they went to Tampa the year after the the pandemic mania in in the empty performance center. Like I thought I was I was going to feel that way about that and I didn't. And it fucking bugged me because it was like you've got WrestleMania in front of a live ass crowd. You know, why is this why does this not feel bigger? Um Tim Williams for the benefit of younger fans. Um, let's try to take a couple of minutes here and kind of lay the groundwork um, and try to illustrate, even though the, it wouldn't be a WrestleMania three in, in the Silverdome is kind of its own chapter. But aside from that one, the importance of the buildup of the event that even though it may have been held and for the longest time was in 20,000 seat arenas. Madison Square Garden, Staples Center, Philadelphia, Boston. I mean, all these major markets, but it still had that WrestleMania feel. How much of the buildup and the anticipation for the matches that they're putting on paper for these events makes the overall aura of what has made WrestleMania what it is? Um, I, I would say that's a huge part of it because if, if you take, I mean, a lot of them, if you really look at, I mean, the, the, the buildup for WrestleMania one obviously was huge. If you look at some of those matches, they're not fantastic. If you look at WrestleMania two, the matches themselves, a lot of them are not fantastic. Um, you know, even WrestleMania three, a lot of the matches themselves are not fantastic, but the buildup. To, to all of those and beyond, but, um, you know, those are the three originals that really stick out in my mind. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, plus the aspect of, I, I would say in the earlier days of it, not so much now, even though they do bring in the, the media, you know, uh, from stars, from other, you know, actors or whatever. But that part was huge. Uh, because it was just something that you weren't used to normally seeing, you know, they, they made a big deal out of, I, it, it didn't even matter who it was. It was like, Oh, okay. They're getting that guy. Like it, it, it just had like that feel like even 
the Burger King commercial guy, Herb, like at WrestleMania too. It's just like, okay, whatever. But they made it seem like the way that they promoted it was like, oh, okay, that's a big deal. I mean, those commercials were big at the time, but uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I think a lot of times the buildup is, is even bigger than what we get for a payoff. But, uh, but I mean, they're, they're masters of that. I mean, they're they're masters of the buildup at this point. WWF, WWE. You make you make a good point in terms of part of the anticipation is the the celebrity involvement and what their roles are. Now you take a guy like Pete Rose, who you know his his appearances at WrestleMania have now become legendary to the point to where they put him in their Hall of Fame. Um. You look back, I mean, from from WrestleMania 1, you know, you've seen the highlight reels over and over and over again, who all was there. Muhammad Ali, Liberace, The Rockets, Billy Martin. You go right on down the line. Um, Two, because it was in three separate locations, every location had uh, its own batch of of celebrities. Three, toned it down a little bit. I mean, Bob Uecker was there, Mary Hart was there, and Aretha Franklin, great. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, yeah. Um, I feel like Tim Sheridan, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I feel like in terms of celebrity involvement, in terms of really getting the kind of reaction that you want, need with this kind of investment was Mike Tyson at WrestleMania 14. Would you agree with that? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, that was perfect time for him coming in because he was still on top of the world at that point. So I think that was the last huge celebrity that really impacted a whole lot you know so i I agree with that one 100 how much of the venue was a part of that of that field to how big tyson's involvement is now it was at the fleet center in boston now i wanted to compare that to uh just less than a handful of years before that where they brought lawrence taylor in uh, to wrestle Bam Bam Bigelow in what would be the closing match of WrestleMania 11, but like not a lot of people pay attention to that and or focus on it as much as they do Tyson's involvement. And Taylor was in an actual match. WrestleMania yeah. 11 really gets shoved under the rug for a lot of aspects because it was held at the Hartford Civic Center. Like if I would, if I hadn't said that, and I'm like, Ray, do you know where where WrestleMania 11 was held? Would you have been able to tell me? Would you have guessed it right? Not at all, but I, no, I knew uh, 14 was in Boston, definitely. Right. So the celebrity involvement, you know, and then you can look back. I think after Mike Tyson, um, probably the next big one that comes to mind in terms of outside uh eyeballs looking in and seeing what's happening uh actually two of them wrestlemania 23 with uh donald trump being involved in a hair versus hair match and then 24 with a big show and floyd money mayweather boxer versus wrestler how big of their how much of their involvement okay were they successful, in your opinion, 
in the roles that they were there for? And did it add to the pomp and circumstances of WrestleMania? Ray, we'll start with you. Uh, I think so. Looking back on it, both of them performed pretty well. That Floyd Mayweather Big Show match still holds up to this day. I actually watched that not too long ago. It was a lot of fun. Tim Williams? Uh, yes, definitely. And um, <clears throat> and I just want to say this, too. Uh, even even last year, last year is the one with Bad Bunny and um, the one night and Johnny Knoxville yeah. the other night. Yeah, yeah I think so, yes. Uh, so I mean, it's a it, it it's a different thing too because their their involvement, like you said, has gotten more and more. Um, uh, I don't even know what word I'm looking for, but um, their their involvement. Is, I mean, they're they're actually having real matches, not like when Drew Carey was in the Royal Rumble or something like that. Uh, more physically involved. It, and, yeah, and they're doing a great job. I mean, to me, they're doing a great job at it too. Um, so yeah, that that aspect has evolved quite a bit over the years as well. But yeah, I, I think I think anytime, just about. I'm sure you can poke holes in in some of the celebrities' involvements, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I think it just adds something to it. Uh, Tim Sheridan, aside from. Uh, Tyson and Mayweather, I guess Lawrence Taylor did to some degree. Has there has there been any other celebrities that have come in, performed at WrestleMania, and you're like, damn, that was a cool spot for them to do? I mean, honestly, not. I mean, I know there's been a lot. There's people there every year. I mean, and you could go back and go, well, we can say Dwayne Johnson was a celebrity and he came in, but I don't really count that because he was the rock before he became a sure. celebrity. Um, I think it all comes down to circumstance really and how they're impactful. Um, and that's why I always go back to Tyson being impactful there. Cause it's not what he did. It's what he was a part of, you know, and you could say big show and Floyd Mayweather had a great, you know, what they did was good, but it still wasn't, Tyson, you know, out there with Sean and Austin and Austin at the peak of his rise. Yeah. Um, the Donald Trump thing, I totally forgot about it. I mean, now that you say it, I remember it, so it's not that impactful. And, and other than that, I mean, every year you have celebrities, whether they come there and, you know, they, they perform, they sing, or, you know, other crazy little goofy spots, you know, but... I don't think they're as impactful as what they used to be back in the day. Very good. Very good point of view. And I kind of agree with that. I mean, Bad Bunny, I know his involvement is something of a big deal to especially younger fans because they follow his music. And that's why the dude doesn't resonate with me because I don't know a fucking song that he does. Like, and I mean, I've heard clips and whatnot, whatever. But not, it's nothing that's going to make me go out and download his album or some shit like that. He just does. I just don't care about it. Um, so I guess that's why it gets lost on me. You know, other people. I, what's that? I was, I was going to say the only celebrity these days that I actually kind of get behind it's is actually as stupid as it sounds as Logan Paul, because you could tell the guy puts in the work. I mean, I haven't seen somebody come in like that 
and actually work a match the way that he works a match and gets over the way that he gets over. You know, it's he puts in his time and he has a lot of respect for the business. I think you and I were talking about it during the Royal Rumble. And yeah. he's a better worker than the than Mysterio is right now. Dominic Mysterio. Yeah. And it's like you know, what what a slap in the face that is when you have a a guy whose father is arguably the greatest luchador in the history of professional wrestling and like he's struggling. You get a Logan Paul in here and you're and, and the difference is and you nailed it. The dude's putting in the work and it's yeah. showing. It's paying off. That may, he had no shit and right having as good of a match with Roman Reigns as he did, but he did. And yeah. like for you know, towards the end, it had me. I was invested in it, like on the edge of my seat. My God, are they going to put the title on this motherfucker? And it makes you a believer, you know. Right. Like you can believe that you could see him in that position because he's that good, you know. Yeah, in the era of we're just waiting for the next big swerve to come, <laughs> you know, that, that would have been it. But. Well, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that uh, Bad Bunny or Johnny Knoxville in a match is going to get me to buy a ticket or anything, but I'm just saying that they've come a long way from the, the celebrities' involvement from, from years ago. <clears throat> no, I, I agree. I, I, that's on full display, you know, and even with like Knoxville's involvement, you know, he, he uh, it, it was, it was what it was. It was a comedy match and God bless Sami Zayn for, <laughs> for doing everything that he could to make that work and not look like shit. Like he, his professionalism, his investment, his involvement, his understanding of the stage that he was on. Um, made that match what it was. I compare that and contrast it to the bullshit that went on at WrestleMania 20 with Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. The unprofessionalism that was on full display in that match. So you know there there's your 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 comparison and contrast to and from. So here's what we're gonna do. Um, let's make the transition into what we're really here. I mean, we've spent a half an hour or so kind of laying out the groundwork of what is WrestleMania, what makes it the granddaddy of them all, as they say, the crown jewel of sports entertainment, uh, the show of shows. Um, we're going to go around and we're going to talk about uh, our top three, maybe four matches uh, from WrestleManias. And I'm very curious from everybody's point of view here, um, because your fandom is in different eras, like the, your peak fandom is in different eras. So it's going to be very interesting to, to see how this goes. And, um, you know, we'll go down, we'll go around the horn three times. And uh, Ray, we'll go ahead and start with you, man. When I say your favorite WrestleMania matches, what's the first one that comes up? Oh, uh, well, I, I don't want to give my list in any particular order or anything, but I'll just throw one out there. I would have to say uh, Bret Hart versus Owen Hart, WrestleMania 10 to open the show. That one, uh, I think, because I was born in 1988, so I was about five when that happened, but I grew up like, kind of in the video store days, so I wore that VHS out when I rented that. And I just rewatched that as we were starting this chat. It was in the background, and it's just like, 
if you want like you know a technical match that's the one to go to let alone the build all the way from uh survivor series to rumble it's classic uh and when you watch that match it ages so well i was like i said i was just watching it and it's like that's the way i wish i could wrestle it's just perfect so good i would uh i would i would say that brett versus owen is the greatest opening match in wrestlemania history to to this day and you're absolutely right it stands out it holds water to this day great match fundamentals are on full display because you they that match proved you didn't need a whole lot of additional bullshit to to get your work over you know and and and, and that is what it is now ranker.com we looked this up last night either ranker or bleacher report we were looking up what they thought was the best wrestlemania matches of all time and on that on their list it was brett versus owen which i hmm. vehemently will not agree with good match yes greatest match in wrestlemania history absolutely not um tim sheridan what's uh what's one on on your list pal uh, one on my list is, uh, and I go always back to emotional connections or connections that I have. And I remember being a kid one Christmas, I had gotten this best of WrestleMania VHS tape. And I mean, I, I wore that thing out, but the match that I watched on there hundred damn times was Sean versus Ray's at WrestleMania 10. Like I watched that match so many times that ladder match was epic to me and still probably one of my favorites today. I mean, was it the the backstory of your? That's what what brought your emotional attachment to the match. Were you a Razor yeah. fan? Were you a Sean fan? I mean, I've always been a Sean fan. As we go down this list, you'll realize it. But um, <laughs> it was it was having that. I didn't have anything else. So it was like I could just watch that over and over again. It's just that match just stuck with me and i just watched it and I, and I know i brought that match up in previous episodes that we've talked about mm-hmm. um but yeah that's always been one of my favorite matches at wrestlemania ever I, I think it was the aspect of the ladder match you know they were they were the I, realistically the, the first ones that i thought really did it right you know and got it over and it was it really set the the bar in and in, in terms of what the ladder match was supposed to be i mean the, despite the fact that they were toying around with this concept on house shows and things of this nature mm-hmm. i feel like i had heard it was actually brett the hitman Hart that had introduced the idea of bringing the ladder matches to the to wwe um but sean and uh razor you know as at wrestlemania your first big high-profile marquee ladder match and you couldn't have asked for two better guys to execute that ray uh i feel like the ladder match resonated with you at wrestlemania 10 would would that be fair to say one of my favorites of all time yeah yeah i figured it would um tim williams what's on your list pal Um, I have a feeling you're not going to be surprised by this one, uh, but it is the Intercontinental match. Uh, Randy Savage is the Dragon Steel from Mania Three. Um, you know, I mean, I was there live, uh, albeit way in the back, but um, 
yeah, that match just stole the show for me and a lot of other people, obviously. Uh, I, I know a lot of people kind of kind of poo-poo it now because they say that they, uh, you know, Randy Savage had planned that match out once or whatever, but who cares? Uh, it, it's just, um, you know I, know, I know it's up there on a lot of people's lists, but uh, to me, that match is still is still up there. Is is still my number one. To this day, Savage and Steamboat at WrestleMania three is my all time favorite professional wrestling match. To this wow. day, it, I, I look how many thousands of matches have I watched in my lifetime? Okay, I, it's after WrestleMania three. That's Matt, in my opinion. You will not find a more perfect professional wrestling match on all accounts than Ricky the Dragon Steamboat winning the the Intercontinental title from the Macho Man Randy Savage in Pontiac, Michigan in 1987. The setting, the build, everything. How underrated is that finish, too, with the roll-up? Like, so simple, but it's not done in the way that they do it now. You know what I mean? You don't really see a finish like that anymore. It was the kind of finish that took the crowd a second to realize what the fuck just happened. Yeah, yeah and that's you, a good You pick. can hear that on video, and I realize a lot of that reaction is because of the noise going up to the dome and then coming back down. But if you watch other matches before that match happens, like the noise is still very much in camera view, in speaker view, and it's a delayed reaction. Like the ones on the floor saw what happened. And then once they realize it, then you got the big roar. <laughs> Tim, where, when I know we kind of touched on this in previous episodes, but based on where you were sitting in the silver dome that night, how, I mean, how long did it take for you to register what you just saw? And that steamboat had indeed rolled up well, the macho man for the win. So I want to say at, that point of the night you were starting to be able to see the screens uh hanging off the ceiling so i probably watched it more on the screen so i realized i think i realized it immediately uh myself mm-hmm. but um yeah uh i i mean do you guys think the only the only question i have <laughs> is do you guys think that george the animal steel's involvement in it just took a little bit away from it. I mean, I know that he was involved in the feud with Savage and, and the, the whole thing with Elizabeth, but you know, they, they wanted him to have his moment, I think there in Michigan too. But do you, do you feel that, that just, it takes away just a little bit of it? That would be the one thing that I would not have. I, I don't care if he was standing out at ringside. Like, I, right. I got that part. But for him to jump up on the apron, push Savage off the top rope, I didn't really feel like was needed. And you're right. If there was one flaw in that match, that was it. That they didn't it. need that spot. It's you know, kind right. of a heel move, too, you know. Back kind then, Ray, move. it wasn't like, <laughs> you, you know, it was the, the way shit was presented back then was so different than, than what it is. Because, you know... And I'm not trying to be disparaging, and I know I'm going to go on oh, a goddamn no, no, no. rant right now, but like wrestling fans nowadays have no zero patience 
wrestling fans nowadays, the younger demographic, they don't appreciate the fundamentals of what makes professional wrestling so fucking great. It's matches like Savage and Steamboat that is on documentation, on video, record of how great wrestling was. And you see glimpses of it nowadays, but they're few and far between. Mm -hmm. It's that lack of emotional connection that Sheridan was, was referring to. Because everything has to happen now, 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 now. Or else younger fans get bored with the storyline, with the exception being the bloodline. Because that is so well done at this point. That's the best story in professional wrestling right now. I don't give a fuck under what banner, who, what company. I don't care. It is that that is wrestling when wrestling is good. Okay. Um, but you have matches like Savage and Steamboat. You have matches even you know Razor and Shawn Michaels. You know, you can even utilize other matches that don't get all kinds of, of attention for one reason or the other. Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit at WrestleMania 17 is a mat classic, because but people don't really focus on that anymore because of Chris Benoit's involvement in it, and I understand. But you can't take away what happened on that particular night. That was excellence of execution. Okay. Um, that, so I'm done with my rant. <laughs> <laughs> Good rant. All right. Uh, Ray, what's, what's another match on your radar, man? Well, Jay, uh, well hold on. Gotta... Jason, you're not, you're not going to give us yours? I yeah. am. I am. Okay. But okay. I don't, I don't want to repeat the same one. So I'm writing, like, I have my list. <laughs> okay. okay. But if we've already talked about it. I'm going to spotlight all the other matches that, that resonated with me. Fair enough. All right. Well, I kind of like debated on this cause I didn't want to have like one of my favorite matches from like the same. Oh, uh, I kind of want to spread it out. Then I had to like ask myself, like why lie to myself? Like just say what I like. So this is another one from WrestleMania 10. Okay. Yoko Duna versus Lex Luger. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's for Eric. <laughs> This I is, was uh, going to say, dude, I was just going <laughs> to cut your feed right the fuck off. We are done here, Ray. You are it's missing on the, the point. Background. It's on in the background right now, and I've been kind of watching it. This match sucks. When Yoko's out work to you, like, this, the best part's Jim Cornette taking that bump in, inside the ring. Uh, but anyways, it is from WrestleMania 10, though, in all realness, seriousness, uh, the ladder match. Razor for Shawn Michaels just... Though Shawn Michaels isn't, I wouldn't even put him in my top five. It's just me, but he, at the same time, I love so much of his work. Like, his selling in this match alone, and Razor Ramon's one of my favorites of all time, Scott Hall, just how cool he is. Like, going under the ladder and the entrance, and I love that entranceway in Madison Square Garden in WrestleMania 10. I love how they did it. WrestleMania 1, 10, 20, I wish they would have done that every decade would have been kind of cool, but I digress. It's just how innovative it was at the time. I never seen anything like it. The urgency to try to get the t two titles with the story behind it was a lot of fun. And just how Shawn Michaels could beat down the bigger man by using the ladder. They actually use the ladder better than people do nowadays. It's so common. It's just close to perfect, in my opinion. I watched it so many times. Same with Tim. I, like I said, I rented that tape uh, over and over again. All right. Obviously a big influence. I didn't realize, you know, 
I get it though. I get it. Uh, Tim Sheridan, what's another one on on your list? All right, so another one on mine, and I have to agree with Ray when he said that Sean wouldn't even make his top five because in the overall aspect of the business, I don't think Shawn Michaels would make my top five, but when it comes to a WrestleMania list, there is a reason why they call him Mr. WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Um, my next one is another emotional connection, and it's from probably two of the best to ever lace up their boots. It was Shawn Michaels versus Ric Flair, WrestleMania 24. Oh. The emotion in that match, the build-up to that match, um, just the way the match ended with Flair getting up off his knees and Michaels just mouthing, I love you, and then putting him down. I mean, that was just, you can't have a better emotional connection than that in a match. Like, I still go back and watch that match, and it still goes, I mean, I wish Rick would have ended his career right there. Yes. That was the most beautiful send-off you could ever have in this business. And I that would probably be one of my tops, but I'm just trying to keep them in order. But that was the last time that, like, well, not the last time that I got fully emotionally connected to a match, but one of my favorites. Um, that that buildup is just, it was insane. It was organic. It wasn't overly complicated. The story itself, the stipulations itself was uh very clearly laid out it was the participation of the key parties in this that made it what it was mm-hmm. you would not have had that moment if it wasn't Shawn michaels um and i'm i'm with you guys like Shawn michaels in my opinion this is gonna you know eric cherry is gonna stop listening to the show because he's gonna feel like we're shitting on him but like Shawn Michaels to me, <laughs> I, I know this is going to ruffle feathers. Is probably he's he's had great matches. Make no mistake about it. Uh, but he is not in my top ten in terms of my favorite wrestlers. You know, or how, but overall, can you say that? But when it comes to WrestleMania, he was always a different person. I I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Flair Michaels at WrestleMania 24 and. I am so on board with the philosophy of that should have been it for Flair. He should have never stepped. I don't care if you want to go work for TNA and, and all this shit, you know, in a managerial role or some sort of authority figure. Like I get that you're Ric Flair. You, you have to be involved in the business, but my God, like everything just went downhill right after that. And for me personally, I feel like every time he, at this point, Every time he opens his fucking mouth in public, he is doing something to tarnish his legacy. Like, the man is fucking losing it. But on that that night, at the age that he was, at the stage of his career that he was, he felt like Ric Flair. And I hadn't felt like that, you know, during the tag title run and, you know, that he had with you know, Piper and his involvement with evolution and, and all this shit. Like it just didn't feel like Ric Flair that night at WrestleMania 24 felt like Ric Flair. Tim, you've been watching Ric Flair a long time. Tim Williams. Um, mm-hmm. what's, 
which as as a sidebar here, what is your opinion of the Flair Michaels match at 24? Tim Sheridan brings up a great match, and it, and it spawns really its own topic. So that didn't come into my head when you asked me the original question about the last time I was emotionally invested in a movie or in a match, and um, that would could possibly be it. I just I think about that. Um, but I, yeah, I totally agree with you. And he just, uh, again, I, Ric Flair would probably be in my top 10, maybe, but, um, he was just never one of my top favorites. Just wasn't, um, I, you know, maybe it's cause I kind of rooted for the underdog at times more so than anything, but, uh, but yeah, that I, yeah, totally. He should have. That should have been it. That should have been it for. Him. I mean, okay, maybe bring him back and have a special match or something every now and then. Go go him out of retirement or something like that. But no, you have all the stuff in TNA, and then a couple years ago, whatever that was when he had that last match. I mean, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I just think every time he's out there, it's just uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's just like he's tarnishing his his legacy, like you said. Ray, I feel like you take exception here. <laughs> I mean, it's all opinions. I'm just shocked. I, it's like a stake through the heart. Not Ric Flair, not in your top ten. Oh my god! I top mean, I would have me. No, uh, I. I, I mean, I, I would have to think about it, but I don't think so. I got some. I don't have to think about there it anyway. It's not in your top ten either. No. What? No. What about you, Tim? Is he in your top ten? Oh, he'd be in my top ten. Oh, I almost shut the computer off. That's I mean, fine. he's probably number eleven. Hey. And I'm not so taking cool. anything away from what the man's done in the business. I'm not. I like. I recognize I what. I recognize what Ric Flair's done. But he caught me off guard more than anything. I said, "What?" Oh, what's crap. that? I said, it just caught me off guard more than anything. I said, holy smoke. Well, I'm glad you're sitting down. Everything will be fine, Ray. Yeah, we're we're no, just right? having a conversation. <laughs> just having a talk. Um, <laughs> Rick Flair and Shawn Michaels would be tied for my number 11. <clears throat> just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one. Good one, good one. Oh. Tim Williams, what's another match for you? Okay, so this one is less about the match itself and more about my emotional investment in both of these guys. And it's probably not that most people would have on their list, but it is the international match between Bret Hart and Roddy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 7. So I... The reason that, I mean, I know I've talked about this before. The reason, one of the reasons that I wrestling fan in the beginning was because of Roddy Piper. One of the reasons I became a wrestling fan was because of Roddy Piper. Um, I wasn't such a huge fan of him after he turned babyface and came back. Uh, But, I mean, I was still a fan. But Bret Hart, uh, you know, I was pretty much a fan of his the first time I had seen him in the Hart Foundation. And watching his rise... Um, I don't think a lot of people give this match credit because I think this 
was like a huge torch being passed from kind of like the original, you know, uh, the original WWF boom to what would come later. Um, you also had blood in the match that, uh, that you hadn't seen for a while. So, I mean, I remember watching that. I, I popped for that. Uh, just the whole, the whole psychology of it, because you don't know if Piper's going to turn against Hart. I mean, they had kind of teased it in the interviews leading up to it. Um, so, yeah, I thought about it a little bit, but that would be my number two. That is a good one, and it's one that doesn't get a whole lot of attention. Um, and I, I, as I think about this, I feel like it's very much an era thing, too, because res- when WrestleMania 8 happens at the Hoosier Dome, um, you know, the company is kind of starting a transitional period. Like, they're starting to figure shit out without Hulk Hogan in in the immediate big picture plans here and they're starting to build around newer talent brett hart was the right guy right in the you know the right place right time right guy and you're right the psychology part of that match it was on full display and it was a lot of because of roddy piper and that speaks so many volumes as to what his contributions to the business are that's often overshadowed when you, when you just talk about him you know you anybody who talks about piper you know you're like oh my god you know he's loud mouth he's this he's that he wears the skirt blah 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 no you're missing the fucking point <laughs> you're missing what makes him so great and you just put that out there so great match great pick um, what is it about the intercontinental? I mean, I already know that I know the answer to this already, but just for <laughs> the sake of, for our listeners, what is it about the intercontinental championship matches that resonate with you so, so much? Well, back, I, and maybe, maybe it's still this way to this day. I don't really know, but back at, at, in that era, definitely that was, the workhorse belt. Uh, it was viewed as more of the workhorse belt. And um, that's, you know, it, it was pretty quick on in my fandom that I, I realized that, that those matches were a lot of times stealing the show from the main event matches as far as the in-ring work went. Um so I, I think that's why it was also uh, viewed as a stepping stone to who was possibly going to rise to the uh, the world world title after that. Um, so that that's probably why. I knew that was going to be your answer. I just <laughs> want, wanted you to put that out there for for people to hear. Um, and you're right. You know, you look back on the lineage, especially the earlier lineage, because I mean, there for a while they were they were treating that title like it was hot potato, man. Like it just there was no stability to it, and it had lost a lot of, in my opinion, like the prestige of the title. It wouldn't probably be until Cody Rhodes got a hold of it, and you know, reintroduced the classic championship belt on the white strap that. Uh, I'm like, okay, they're trying to make this important again. Um, you know, we don't really spend a tremendous amount of time talking about current product, but but Gunther, 
and what he's done with the intercontinental title like this oh, dude yeah. is a is a legitimate badass and he has really yeah. restored credibility to the intercontinental championship in my opinion um For sure uh ray what's another one here man uh I, first, I want to say about the Intercontinental title, I agree with you guys. I, I want to show Tim this. I got uh, the Razor signature I see literally right next to me, so I, I agree. <laughs> so I, 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 saw the un, I saw the unveiling of that. Uh, uh, kid on Christmas, yeah, that's all, man. That's <laughs> but anyways, uh, my number one is my absolute favorite wrestling match of all time. It's my very favorite ever. Nothing stands up to this. It is Bret Hart. We're Stone Cold Steve Austin submission match WrestleMania 13. My all-time favorite. Just the story they had going into it, and I was uh, was a kid at the time, huge Bret Hart fan. I didn't understand him kind of turning heel, and I didn't want to like Stone Cold because you know when you're that young, it's like he's bad, he's good. That's how it is. And it, the way it kind of intertwined towards the end with that double turn in that sequence, the, the, you could take a photograph of it, a video of it of Stone Cold fighting through the pain of the sharpshooter he actually breaks the sharpshooter at one point and bret hart pulls it back on i could literally shed a tear as a grown man watching that sequence of the match the amount of feeling and emotion i get at that moment in time in jr's call at the end stone cold never gave up he passed out from the pain and just that really resonated with me as a kid too and that's where it started you know and that was where stone cold's start to his rise kind of around that time was starting i couldn't do I then and to this day it's my favorite of all time it's a good one uh the psychology is off the charts in that match if you want to look at a psychological from a psychological advantage uh that probably is the one you got to put in Bret Hart Steve Austin the double turn you know you want to talk about blood Tim Williams mentioned it earlier with um uh, Brett and Rowdy Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8. Uh, it seems like Brett, you know, when the time was right, he would he would incorporate that in some way or or another. That in, in this particular aspect, it was Austin that was bleeding, and man, was he ever um, blood blood like a stuck pig, man. And uh, but it really it provided that visual for what the attitude era was fixing to be all about. And man, it was done so perfectly and so well. Um, and I can totally understand, you know, why that is on, on your list there, because, um, you know, it's on my top three. You know, I have my top three. This is one of them. Um, so yeah, good, Good choice there. Uh, Tim Sheridan, what uh, what rounds out your top three, pal? All right, so another one. I'm going to sound like a damn broken record here. Um, but And this one was kind of hard for me to choose because there's so many matches from this particular era that I could have gone with. Um, but this one, once again, emotional connection. Um, another coming to the end of an era match would have to be WrestleMania 26, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels. Um, absolute clinic of a match. You know, all the false finishes in that match, you don't know which way it's going to go. You know, Shawn loses, career over, the embrace at the end, just the show of respect at the end of it. It was 
once again, just complete emotional connection to a match. And I could have went with, I mean, Undertaker in that era, whether it was Shawn Michaels or Triple H, the matches that they, they all had in that timeline were all amazing, but that had to be one of my favorites. And it was just, it was the end of an era. It was the end of Shawn Michaels. You know, it was his last match and, and still absolutely one of my favorite WrestleMania matches ever. So having said that, how pissed were you, if you were at all, when they... I, I ignore it. I already know where you're going. I ignore okay. it. It never happened. Never watched it. <laughs> Fair enough. Can't believe he did it, because he stayed away for so long. That's it, man. Yeah. And it, I, my follow-up question to that was going to be, um, I, obviously, I felt like Shawn Michaels took exception to the fact that Flair went and did shit elsewhere. After oh, what was supposed to be the retirement match. And that's why he stayed, stuck to his guns to yeah. stay retired with his loss to The Undertaker. But it's my understanding, and I, I could be wrong on this, all depending on the different articles that I had read. But it was actually The Undertaker's blessing and okay that allowed for that uh, not-to-be-mentioned tag match to take place years and years down the road because I'm, I'm very much with you, Tim. He should have left it alone at WrestleMania yeah. 26. Now, generally speaking, fans will, will actually look to their match uh, the year prior at 25 as their Which better was, of the two. Do you, you know, is it an in-ring thing or is it more of that emotional it's attachment? The, it's the emotion. It's the story. You know, their match the year before was amazing, too. Probably better than that match, but it didn't have the story to go along with it. You know, it was the end of an era there. I mean, it's all that emotional connection to a match, like I've said a million times, but you just, you felt more emotionally connected to that match because you knew that there was a possibility of that career ending there or the streak ending, you know. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I could go any way in that era of, you know, Undertaker WrestleMania matches and between those two with Sean or I think two with Hunter right after that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. All those matches were insane. Just absolute clinics. I mean, the stories that they put on were absolutely amazing, but that one still sticks out because that was, I mean, that was supposed to be Sean's last match, you know, and it was just, and, and I think it was just the same way that they did in that match with the embrace at the end of it, the sign of respect. And then the last one with Triple H, you know, I think that was the one with Sean as the special guest referee, how they all stood up at the top of the stage and all were embracing and holding each other up. You know, it was just, it's that sign of respect, you know, that that gets me, you know, it's, I don't know, that's where me as a fan becomes emotionally connected and just always brings back those memories, you know. It's, I can't even tell you what happened in last year's WrestleMania, but I can still remember all those WrestleManias, watching them over and over again, and being excited to watch those WrestleManias, you know? Um, and we just don't get that anymore. No, we certainly don't, uh, because you just you just nailed it right there. You don't remember what, what happened last year, you know, 11 months ago, and we're yeah. fixing to do 39 here. And... Well, I, I can't say that I don't remember everything because I do remember the Austin versus Kevin Owens, but other than right. that, I don't remember anything, you know. But that wasn't the technical 
build main event. It was Roman no. and Brock for yeah. you know, winner take all. And the fact that, you know, it's Steve Austin's quote unquote match with Kevin Owens is what people remember and justifiably so because it was an overall way better experience to watch as a fan. Like those people were so invested in that. And that probably should have closed out night two instead of night yeah. one. And yeah, but, I didn't I didn't even watch night two. Is that right? Yeah, I didn't watch it. That was all I wanted to see was that match. That was all I was invested in. That's that's incredible to me. Yeah. But I mean I get it. But it also speaks volumes on what the disconnect is for our demo, you know? Like, shit. You want to keep as many eyeballs on this thing as you possibly can. You've got you to gotta appeal to everybody, you know? it's That's what makes wrestling great. There's something for everybody. It's not just one specific thing, one-dimensional thing that we're just all supposed to like, you know? That's part of what makes it so great. Now... Um, before I go into my, um, my spotlight matches, I'll call them. Is there any other matches that really, really resonated? You really had a hard time trying to, um, put them on a short list, but there's something that really, really stands out about them. Ray for you. Um, I was going to say, Tim, you get your number one in. Oh, uh, Tim, I already. I was going in a reverse order than you, Ray. My number one was Savage and Steve. Yeah. I didn't get my number three in, but go, that could go be, ahead with, with your number I, because I I go on a goddamn rant and I forget where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't matter. I honestly I don't I this is a tough one for me. Um, a lot of the ones that you guys named already could be up there, um, but or there's a. It would be there for me, but, uh, but honestly, if I think about matches that I would go back and rewatch more than any other, it's kind of weird. The British Bulldogs versus the Drew team from WrestleMania two. Uh, I don't know. It's just the, I mean, I love the British Bulldogs. I love the Hart Foundation at the same time. Um, but there's just something about that match going back and watching um, that I did when I really originally watched it, but I still, what's that? But I still. We're having a little bit of audio issues with you, Tim. Uh, You're cutting in and out a little bit. I did hear enough. Yeah, that's better. (laughs) Okay. Did you hear what match I said? The Bulldogs and the Dream Team at WrestleMania 2, correct? And, and mainly because the get when I watch that, I, I can still it, level that it was when I originally watched. But there's something about that that I that I could still get into for some reason. Even though I know the outcome and I've seen it plenty of times, but it, there's just something about it. I agree, and it's actually on my on, honorable mentions list. You know, that was uh, I, I was like I was with you, man. I was a big Bulldogs fan. 
I thought they were great. And, you know, they brought Ozzy Osbourne in to be in their corner and they were already managed by Captain Lou and uh, the Dream Team were just such pricks. You know, <laughs> Greg Valentine, exactly. Brutus Beefcake. Um, and for them to win the titles. And again, it was one of those finishes nobody saw coming. It wasn't a big high spot. It wasn't a big finishing move spot. It was uh, one being whipped in the corner, slams into Dynamite's head. He goes flying into the third row, and then uh, Davy Boy Smith goes in for for the pin. It's over. Um, that fast. Yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely one another one where I don't think the crowd understood what had just happened. It took them a minute to realize <laughs> it just yeah. happened there. Yep, for sure. And again, you can you can hear that uh, that delayed reaction, even even though the the bell was sounding and they knew that the match was over. It's like, well, oh shit, they just won the title because I don't think anybody really expected them to for whatever reason. Um, right. But they finally got to the top of that mountain, and it was on a worldwide stage, so it was very cool. Good pick, real good pick. <laughs> um, I want to focus on because I mean. Some of my matches, you guys, you know, I've already talked about, like I said, Savage Steamboat, um, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels from 25, I would put up there, even though I was very invested in the in the high stakes that went into 26, the streak versus the career. Uh, just that emotion, like I, I felt exhausted after watching WrestleMania 25 because of that match, because I, I, like I had more worry that uh, Sean was going to end the streak at 25 than I did at 26, even though I know his career was on the line a year later. Um, for me, man, I mean, it's on the list. It's Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, because that, to me, is the first match that comes to mind when I think of what made WrestleMania what it is here and now. And that could be the launching point for me in terms of great, big, huge presentation in terms of a one one particular match, one main event. The popular three-year running world heavyweight champion, the undefeated evil turncoat giant, you know, something's got to give. Hogan, Andre, and even though like the, the matches had between those two had happened years prior, it wasn't, it was ignored. Like it never fucking happened. So as a nine and 10 year old kid or a 10, 11 year old kid, I'm going into this build for WrestleMania three and okay. Yeah. There's another layer of anticipation because it's happening in the Pontiac Silverdome. And I've made no bones about the fact my fascination for that stadium, but it's that, I mean, how many, you can't watch a WrestleMania recap video package and there's not something mentioned of Hogan and Andre. It's in the goddamn signature when they go on the air for any show, raw SmackDown East or uh, NXT pay-per-views, whatever. That's the first thing you see is that giant slam. So Hogan and Andre is on there. I mentioned earlier, that the last time I really had that big that anticipation big. feel for WrestleMania was in 2001 at 17 in Houston. And it was because of The Rock versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now, 
Ray, to your to your credit, Rock, I'm sorry, Austin and Bret Hart would be on my top three. Okay, so let me just put put that out there. Uh, but Rock, Austin, two at uh, WrestleMania 17, to me, was that last big main event, big fight feel. Like, I was so wholeheartedly invested in this match. And even with all the fuckery with Vince McMahon and they tried to do the heel turn at the end, I didn't give a shit. The fact could, because it goes back to what Tim Sheridan was talking about. I was emotionally invested. I wanted Steve Austin to come back from this neck injury that took him out for a year and to prove that he was still the top guy in the business. And he did. And I think that's why that match resonates with me so much plus i mean the the atmosphere the backdrop like i'm a huge sucker for domes man and like it gets no more old school than the astrodome and that added to it the lighting and all of it loved it um didn't, didn't that have that really good hype package too like to let biscuit my way uh yes rock and circle too that's like known as like the baver i agree that's a good pick yeah, it. Uh, we mentioned this last night watching the Elimination Chamber. Nobody does hype videos, video packages. I don't care what, what the fuck we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's football. I don't care if it's baseball. I don't care if it's the Oscars. I don't give a shit about any of it. Nobody does a better job than WWE. Hands fucking down. And I'll argue with, with anybody about it. You know. Um... <clears throat> Rounding out my my list, and this was one I was like, man, I I, I want to dig into the the archives here with with one, um, just because uh, you know we talk you talk about WrestleMania, you always talk about Shawn Michaels, Hulk Hogan, you know all these big main event caliber stars um, that have helped form an identity of what WrestleMania is all depending on what era that we're talking about here. Um, Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 21. Uh, in terms of a more modern era in in WWE, in professional wrestling in general, um, Kurt Angle is one, one of those guys that he gets credit, make no mistake about it. I just don't think he gets enough of it because he's often not discussed among the all-time greats for whatever reason. But that match that he had with Shawn Michaels could have closed out WrestleMania 21 because it was certainly a better match than what did close it out, and that was Triple H and Batista for the World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, I, I will point to Angle and Michaels all the time as one of those matches to go back and watch and watch it when it's done right by two in-ring professionals on the highest level. So those would be my three. It's a good list. <laughs> Everybody has a good list. I don't feel left out having Shawn Michaels on my list every time you know that sounds like he uh made quite a few people's lists there well like you said tim 
you know, he didn't earn the moniker uh, Mr. WrestleMania for no reason. Yeah. You know, he, I don't have to be a fan of his to recognize the greatness that he is, and he has provided some very memorable moments. You can go down, and he has a losing record at yeah. WrestleMania, and that's something else that does that doesn't get talked about a whole hell of a lot. It, he, he's he's regarded as one of the greatest performers in WrestleMania history. Uh, probably second, and I, you know, second under, and I guess it all depends on perspective, but second to The Undertaker, just because of the, of the streak. But he's still re- uh, Mr. WrestleMania for a reason. Uh, you, you know, his match with Jericho, his match, uh, you know, he's, even with John Cena, like he closed WrestleMania 23 in Detroit with John Cena. And, like, I was pissed that that was the match for the WWE title in Detroit. Why? <laughs> but I watched it. You know, I mean, I was in the stadium, but like, yeah, he put on display why he was in that spot, and it was really a. Um, well, a, I'll give him credit too. Um, it, it easily could have been my number three is the Iron Man match with Brett at uh, WrestleMania twelve. Yes. Yep. Also. Um, and 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 the and the ladder match with Razor too. That could have made that could have been my three too. I just I just uh, uh, thought about it, and the reason that I picked the Bulldogs match was because it is one that I would actually go back and rewatch from time to time. Um, and by all accounts, Hogan and Andre probably should be in my top three because it was there. <laughs> but right. uh, I just it's the the five minute bear hug kind of takes it out for me a little bit drops it down a few notches for me but no i get it i totally understand that yeah um listen great topic this week great conversation great points of view uh ray you didn't piss me off this week so that's a good sign (laughs) um me me either (laughs) i kid i kid ray oh i know um Great topic, though, and uh, for those who haven't been aware of what's going on with our schedule here with the shows, uh, allow me a couple of moments to explain what we're doing here. Generally, Turnbuckle Time Machine had a Monday at midnight time slot that that we would drop, and you know it became increasingly difficult for me on my end, 100% my end, um, to get all the ducks in a row in a uh, in a consistent manner to to follow suit with that. So what we're doing with this show is we are alternating this show with the real podcast for Saturday at midnight drops. So every other week you will hear the turnbuckle time machine in the opposite weeks is when you will hear the real podcast with Amy Sheridan, uh, Tim's wife. Um, both very good shows. If you haven't checked out the real podcast, I don't know why you have it. You are missing out on, on entertainment gold as well as the other shows that we offer here on the PFC podcast network. Of course, the flagship show, the Klaus of the heart podcast drops on Tuesdays and on Wednesdays, you can find new episodes of power tripping through the eighties. Um, and uh, we will be back here in two weeks with a uh, new episode of the Turnbuckle Time Machine. It will be something of a WrestleMania theme. We're going to kind of roll that out, uh, probably do a preview uh, episode of sorts based on what is presented 
in terms of the card going up to this big two-night extravaganza. First, it's happening in Los Angeles. It goes Hollywood again this year. Uh, anybody see the first trailer uh, that they pulled out last night in terms of, of, of promotions with Seth Rollins re redoing the Joaquin Phoenix uh, portrayal of Joker? Anybody see that last night during the Elimination Chamber? Go go on YouTube and check it out. It's really worth the watch. They this this is what I was hoping they were going to do is redo movie trailers like they did in 21 the last time they were in Los Angeles, and uh, like they came out with guns ablaze and man Seth Rollins fucking nails it and had me rolling and it was very well done. So um, for Ray Jackson for the Tim Towers, uh, Tim Sheridan, Tim Williams. Uh, I'm Jason Klaus. We appreciate you uh, tuning in this week. Go out, be awesome to yourselves and to each other. And we'll see you in two weeks with a brand new episode of the Turnbuckle Time Machine here on the PFC Podcast Network, powered by Anchor.fm.